Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy New Year. Good to see you all. Um, yeah, it's good to be here, isn't it? Good to be gathered, good to worship together, good to see what God wants to do with us in 2024. So uh, the first Sunday of each month is usually a celebration Sunday as it, as it is today. Normally we get a, a guest speaker in, but I'm afraid today you got me. So I apologize for that, but um, <laughs> thanks, John. And um, so what we wanted to do is just to, just to share, share some vision as we start this this new year. And so we're going to take this week and next week, just the messages from both these next two weeks, just to talk about some vision for the year ahead. And just to set that up a little bit, we took a day out in the summer last year as leaders to get together, to, to pray for a whole Saturday, seek God, chat together, what was God wanting to do in the church. And we did an exercise together where we said, where do we see the spirit moving in the church? That was a question we wanted to ask ourselves. And so we spent some time praying. We had some flip charts and some pens and paper, and we were going around writing, each of us writing up on those different things, different areas where we felt the Spirit of God was moving in the church. And, uh, and that was great. And we felt at the end of that day, we thought, well, this would be a really good thing to do with everyone, not just the leaders, but for all of the church to come together and say, where do we see the spirit moving? So later on last year, we, one of our brunches, we had some sheets of paper out and we asked you some questions about where do you see the spirit moving? And so some really good feedback from that. And also a Sunday here, Sunday afternoon here at the URC, we had some flip chart papers up again and we asked the question, where do you see the spirit moving? And so from all of those different exercises and times together, we came up with four really what we thought were quite clear areas that we felt the Spirit was moving in. And these are the four areas. First of all, youth and children. Secondly, the international communities. That's here in Basingstoke and work that God's called us to overseas. Number three, the sharing of the gospel we felt was an area that God was really moving in the church. And finally, number four, our gathered worship. I think last year we had some really good times. We had another good time today, praise God, of just gathered worship. Not just singing songs, but seeing the prophetic released as well amongst us as we gather. And uh, so, so those were the four areas where we really felt that the Spirit was moving in the church. Is that good? Do you agree with that? And there's others, isn't there? And, and God is doing lots of things in many ways, but we really felt that those four areas from our time together as leaders and from input from all of us, that we felt that God was really highlighting for us. Interestingly, I was just reflecting over Christmas a little bit about when I look at those four areas and um, consider them, actually, we've, we've seen quite a lot of pushback, I think, in those areas as well. Quite a lot of obstacles. I think certainly the enemy has tried to to stop some of those things happening. Uh, not trying to say that's all down to him. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But just the sense that actually there's been some difficult things as I think about like the, particularly the youth and the worship. I know that Karen has really struggled with her back and um, she's involved in both of those things. That's been, that's been difficult. But Karen, great. If you can hear me, Karen is at the back. But great to see you at the back worshipping again. That's brilliant. And... Um, other things in, with some of the international stuff, some of the gospel sharing, there's been some barriers. But we really believe that God wants us to push into these four areas. So praise God, we're going to go for it in 2024. Amen? 
Good. So what we're going to do is take these next two Sundays, today and next week, to share about those four areas and start to unpack some of the things we feel that God is saying to us, for us as, as a church, as a community. So today, I'm going to talk about gospel sharing and worship. And then next week, Dan's going to lead us, and there's been a number of different contributions, and we're going to be talking about youth and children and the international communities. So just to say, before I get on to speaking about the gospel and worship, just to say that our vision remains the same. We haven't changed our vision. We want to be a growing, diverse church that builds community, impacts society. That's been our vision since we started the Hub. That's still our vision. And we spent a fair bit of time last term talking about some of the cultural values that we want to see at work in the church, the kind of church that we want to be, the kind of welcome we want to give, things like that. And um, that, that's not changing. That's, we've tried to lay a bit of a foundation with that. And, and as we talk about where we see the spirit moving at the beginning of this year, that, the intention is to build on what we've built on and what we set in foundation uh, towards the end of last year with, with those cultural values. So if that makes sense, I'll crack on and um, talk about the gospel and worship. So as I was thinking about the gospel and sharing the gospel, I was thinking about what is a big question. <laughs> this is what you do over Christmas and New Year. You ponder the big questions. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? And, um, you know, I think sometimes we can throw about these, these phrases and we're like, we're going to share the gospel. And it's like, yeah, what, what really is the gospel? So I thought what might be quite helpful today is to try and unpack a little bit about what the gospel is. And it might help us to share it more in 2024 if we have more of an understanding of what the gospel is. I don't claim to, to have all the answers, but I'm going to try and unpack it a little bit uh, as to what the gospel really is. And I think sometimes we, in churches like ours, probably in like evangelical churches, we, we tend to reduce the gospel if we're not careful. And it becomes a kind of, if we say sorry for the things we've done wrong, and we believe that Jesus exists and that he died upon a cross for us, we'll be saved. Now, let me just say, I believe that. <laughs> I'm not saying that that isn't the gospel. But what I am saying is I think that, can, that that's probably quite a narrow definition of the gospel, if we're not careful. And, um, and it kind of be, can become this like tick box thing where we're like, we pray a prayer, and we're sorted. You know, we've prayed that prayer, we've said sorry, we've put our faith, we've at least believed in Jesus, and now we're good. And I think the gospel is so much more than just a ticket to heaven when we die. There's much more to the gospel than that. Now, I think, I was listening to... Um, Again, over Christmas, I was listening to a, a pastor and author in the United States called John Mark Comer. You may have heard of him. And he was doing a podcast about what the gospel is. And it really got me thinking. It's helped me plan this talk a little bit. I'd recommend digging it out and having, having a listen to it if you want to. But he, was, he started off by saying that when we read the gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the gospel according to Matthew or the gospel according to Mark. In other words the whole of Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John's gospel, is the gospel. It's not just a little bit within it. The whole thing is the gospel. 
So from Matthew chapter 1 to Matthew chapter 28, everything contained within that is the gospel and the same for the other three. But I think, when I think about how, do, how could we summarize the gospel in the best way, I think probably the best summary, and I've heard Robin talk about this before, and he talks about the gospel according to Jesus, is in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. I think this is probably the best definition of the gospel. And it says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. By the way, in a number of translations, it's actually the gospel of God. So the good news and the, the gospel means good news, yeah? So some translations say the good news, some actually say the gospel. So after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news or the gospel of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's what Jesus said when he was talking about the good news or the gospel. The gospel or the good news at its core is about the kingdom of God coming to earth. The gospel at its core is about the kingdom of God coming near, coming to the earth. Now I think right at the center of this is the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. If we move that out of the center message of the gospel, I think we're in trouble. Right at the center is the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. That's what brings us life. We've sung about that today. The crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. But the gospel's about pushing back darkness. The, co- the gospel's about spiritual, physical healing. The gospel is about radical sacrifice, about compassion. It's about care for those around us. And it comes with a clear response for those who want to pick up Jesus' call to follow him. We need to repent and believe. Repent and believe. I've spoken about this before, so sorry if you've heard this before, but I think it's worth repeating if you have. And uh, if it's new to you, then great. But I think this is sometimes where we've gone a little bit wrong, particularly in, in churches like ours where we've reduced this repent and believe message a little bit. We've understood repenting as meaning saying sorry, and we've understood believing as, oh yeah, Jesus is out there, I think he kind of loves me and he died upon a cross for me. Yes and amen to both of those things, yeah? But it's more than that, I think. So I think when Jesus said repent and believe the good news, I think it's much more about much more than just saying sorry and believing that he exists and that he died for you. So repenting, what does it really mean then? Well, repenting, if if you think your life is going one way, you're going in one direction, and you meet Jesus, rather than just saying, oh, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, and kind of carrying on, (laughs) repenting means changing your mind. Repenting means changing direction. Repenting means turning around and saying, actually, my life is going a different direction now. Yeah? I'm not just going to kind of say, oh, I've done some things wrong in the past. Sorry about that, God. Right, let's get on with life. 
Repentance means change your mind. It means change direction. It means live differently. Yeah? And then belief. We've had this in our culture kind of, we've reduced the word believing in something to, oh, it's out there. It kind of exists. But believing, it's got to have some change to your life if you really believe something. I sometimes use the example of belief being, if I believe that it's good to give to charity, I can have that kind of head knowledge like, yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's kind of out there in my thinking that it's a good thing to give to charity. But if I never actually gave any money to charity, you'd say, well, you don't really believe that, Andy, do you? (laughs) Because if you did really believe it was good to give to charity, then you'd give to charity. So I think belief in Jesus, and I believe that, that, that real biblical belief means much more than just some sort of head knowledge, kind of acknowledgement of something out there that might have something good that it's or he can do for me. Believing means, actually, I'm going to take all that Jesus has commanded me to do and I'm going to live it out. I'm going to change direction. I'm going to change my mind. My life has now been impacted so much by Jesus that I'm not doing the things, I'm not living the way I did before. And I'm going to make Jesus not just my saviour because he died upon the cross for me, but he's going to be my Lord. He's going to be my king. He's in charge of my life now. The way that he wants me to live, all that he wants me to do, which we read about in his word, I'm going to do. I'm going to live that out. Does that make sense? So are we going to repent and believe the good news? The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Of course, those first disciples Jesus called, they had to leave their life. They were fishermen. They had to leave their their occupation, their life. They literally had to leave it all behind and follow Jesus. That was big repent and believe moment for them. But what does it mean for us to repent and believe? I believe that it's our job to do this for ourselves, to repent and believe. We have to make that decision in our lives that we're going to repent and believe. I believe we're called to help other people do the same. To give our lives for the kingdom, to pick up our cross every day and follow Jesus. That's in the Gospels. That's part of the gospel. To make disciples who transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We want to do that ourselves and then make more disciples who do that too. To put on display radical sacrifice and compassion, especially to the widows, the orphans, and the strangers. It says in the gospels that the world will know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another. That's part of the gospel. Live the gospel, share the gospel. I believe that's what we're called to do. I believe that's all part of repenting and believing. So I thought it'd be great to hear a couple of testimonies of what it means for a few people to repent and believe and actually press into some of this gospel sharing and seeing God move. So I've invited Annie and Claire just to share a story each about how that's been real in your life. So would you both come up? Is, have we got the mic, Robin? Would that be right? And um, why don't you go first, Annie, and then Claire follow up. But thank you both for just responding and and being brave and sharing something of your story. So 
Annie and then Claire. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, just first of all, I want to thank everybody for their prayers, the love and care over these last few months during the time of my operation and after. Laurie and I have really, really appreciated it. So at the end of October last year, I was in the Brompton Hospital for five days having cardiac surgery. Uh, I was in a ward with six la five other ladies. And you know what ladies are like. You get chatting and you get to know each other. So I had my operation on the Monday. And one of the other ladies, when I got back to the ward on the Tuesday evening, um, she had been told, she'd been in the hospital for seven weeks and been told that she needed more surgery. And her surgery was scheduled for the Thursday morning. And I had been told on the Wednesday that I was to be discharged on Thursday afternoon. So on the Thursday morning, they were prepping this lady for theatre. And suddenly she just burst into tears. And she just said, I am absolutely terrified. And I sat there and I thought, I can't just sit here and do nothing. <laughs> so I made my way over to her bed and I said to her, would you let me pray with you? And she said, I'll cry. I said, well, that doesn't matter. And I just prayed that she would know God's peace and that her, her surgery would be successful. Now, her husband had been coming every day to the hospital for seven weeks while she was in there. And he arrived um, just before she went to theatre. And she was there in theatre for a very long time and we were all getting quite concerned. But when they brought her back from theatre, her husband was actually with her. And as he passed and came into the ward, he gave us a thumbs up. And I thought, oh, that must mean that it's been successful. But then she asked him to come over to me and thank me for praying for her in the morning. Um, sadly, I won't know how these ladies got on because we come, people come to Brompton from all over, so they're not local. <laughs> but I just felt God prompted me that morning. I thought, I'm a Christian, and I knew God's peace because as I was taken to theatre on the Monday morning, I just said, Jesus, take my hand, and I know that he did. Um, and I just wanted that for that lady as well, that she would know what I felt. Don't know about you, but I'm feeling really emotional today. For no reason, just feel really emotional. So thank you for that, Annie. Maybe, yeah. Um, a testimony I want to share is a healing testimony, and um, this is not a new one. So I'm praying for some new ones, but I've got a few if you want to ask later. But this particular one, um, it was in a normal everyday situation. I was at a jewellery party, you know, like the old Tupperware parties. And um, my friend's daughter was there with a broken wrist. She had a cast on her arm. And I could see she kept moving her hand. And I could just tell by her face that she was in pain. So I said, is your wrist hurting you today? And she said, yeah. She said, I was changing my baby's nappy this morning and I heard it crack. She'd rebroken it. She'd spoken to the doctor and she had an MRI booked for the following day the next day or the next day I can't remember which and um, I said to her even though we weren't doing God stuff we were doing everyday stuff I said can I pray for you and she said 
that would be really good. So we went into a different room and I put my hand on top of the cast on her arm and I started to pray. And she stopped me and she said, my arm's getting really hot. I can feel it going all the way up to my shoulder. So I thought, this is good. So it was a really short prayer and after I finished praying, she said, the pain's gone. She had the MRI and there was no um, evidence of any break at all. So can I encourage you, even if this isn't what you're doing right now, just believe because the kingdom can break in through you, but you have to be willing to allow God to use you in different situations. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Annie and Claire. Two great testimonies, yeah, of the kingdom of God coming near. Are we willing to repent and believe the good news? So that's gospel sharing. Hopefully that's just inspired us a little bit about, about living out the gospel, sharing the gospel with others, and maybe a little bit about what the gospel is. Let's not reduce it. Let's celebrate and live out the whole gospel. Uh, so worship then. If what I've talked about just then about the gospel is a little bit of a fuller definition, then I think it really fits perfectly with this theme of worship. When we're talking about one of the things that we really see the Spirit doing, we're talking about the corporate worship when we come together and worship on a Sunday. But that is an overflow of a life of worship. And that's really what I want to get across when I talk about worship, that this is like the icing on the cake, if you like, when we come together. This should be our corporate worship together, should be lots of us, all different ages and backgrounds, uh, jobs, school, college, retired, whatever we might be, coming together to worship God together. But sadly, modern church worship has become a bit of a show, I think. Many Christians crave the best, work, uh, the best worship experience. They want to follow the celebrity pastor, be in the celebrity pastor's church or the celebrity worship leader who's got the latest best album out. I want to be in that church with that worship leader. Won't it be amazing to be part of that church? But of course, we're not called to follow the celebrity pastor or the best worship leader. We're called to follow Jesus. This Jesus who didn't look to his own interests, but was willing to make himself nothing, as we read about in Philippians chapter 2. Sadly, I think today many people do look to their own interests when it comes to church. And actually, I think the question should be, where is God placing me? How can I be part of this body? How can my overflowing life of worship contribute to the community that God wants me to be part of, rather than looking for the perfect church, which, as we know, doesn't exist? But just as I, as I say that, I want to qualify it a little bit because when I grew up as a teenager, I was in a church where the worship was absolutely incredible. So I was part of the, the cutting edge movement. So there was three different venues on the South Coast. I was part of the one in Southampton. So on, on, sun, on Saturday evenings, once a month, we had the cutting edge band, which became delirious. Martin Smith and his band leading worship. At its height, there was 1,200 young people coming together every month, packing out a brilliant venue. 
The PA was amazing, the lighting was amazing, and it drew a lot of people, and it drew me, helped draw me closer to God. So I'm not saying that it shouldn't be good. Yeah, I'm not saying that with some sort of kind of sacrificial life, we should be like, oh, actually, we don't want, you know, we don't want a nice guitar up the front. Or we don't want singers that can actually sing or musicians that can actually play. No, that's kind of, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. We want to kind of keep it very low and not very good because we want to live this life as sacrifice. It's not what I'm saying. We, we want to honor God with the gifts he's given us. We want to do the best we can. Of course, it, you know, in some ways, the better it is in terms of the quality, the more it draws us in and the more it draws other people in. I'm not against quality. But ultimately, what I am saying is it's a heart issue, I believe. Actually, what is our hearts wanting? If it is just to go to the place where I get my needs met and I get to have the best worship, worship experience, hear the best talks or whatever it might be, I think that's a heart issue that we may need to look at if that's us. If we're truly following Jesus, if we've truly repented and believed, like I said before, then I do think it will lead us to become a living sacrifice. Which, by the way, is the definition of true and proper worship in Romans chapter 12. True and proper worship is to become a living sacrifice. Because you see, worship and sacrifice, I think, are intrinsically linked You can't have one without the other. It says this in Hebrews chapter 13 from verses 15 to 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Offer a sacrifice of praise. Worship and sacrifice go together. As I was preparing for this, I found myself looking at the Rend Collective website. If you know Rend Collective, they're a, a really good Christian band who, from Ireland who do, who've done some great worship songs. They've really helped me in my worship, and they're really popular, they're really good, and I think they really have a good heart for God. And um, I read this on their website. I, I assume they wrote it. I don't know if, if it's a quote, but this was on their website. Let me read it to you. It says this. The greatest act of worship was the cross of Jesus Christ. The greatest act of worship in history didn't take place beneath festival lights or in front of an enraptured crowd of thousands. The greatest act of worship wasn't Handel adding the final flourish to his insanely intricate musical masterpiece, The Messiah. The greatest act of worship was and always will be the cross of Jesus Christ. For reasons that have far more to do with pop culture than scripture, we tend to see worship primarily as a musical thing. Worship is that guy with an acoustic guitar singing simple four-chord songs. And while that absolutely can be worship, it definitely isn't its highest expression. Quality of worship all through scripture is measured in terms of obedience and sacrifice, not lyrics and melody. Consider the sacrificial system, the early way God taught his people to worship him. A person obeys a reasonably complex list of requirements in fine detail and then sacrifices something of value. 
You see, if, it, if something costs nothing, it's worth nothing. This was built into the fabric of worship from the start. This is why the cross is the ultimate act of worship. In perfect obedience, Jesus sacrificed his priceless life for his friends and for the glory of the Father. The takeaways from all this then is that our worship should be held to the standard of the cross, not to the standard of the current number one Christian and gospel single on iTunes. There's no way I could express this better than Paul does in Romans 12. So I leave you with this incredible scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Aren't those powerful words? Whatever we do in this church, through sharing the gospel, through our corporate expression of worship together, may it be for his kingdom and for his glory. That's what we're living for, isn't it? And our corporate worship together is an overflow of our laid down lives, picking up our cross daily to follow him. Can I just ask you to close your eyes where you're at if you're happy to do that? And as we come into land, I just want to ask three questions for us to consider. And then we're going to listen to a song as a bit of a response. So question number one. Have you truly repented and believed? Or have you just ticked the salvation box and you're really living for yourself? Have you truly repented and believed? Or have you just ticked the salvation box and are really living for yourself? Number two, are you ready to truly believe in Jesus by obeying everything Jesus has commanded you to do? For example, love one another, be generous, worship God, make disciples. Are you ready to truly believe in Jesus by obeying everything Jesus has commanded you to do? Love one another, be generous, worship God, make disciples. There's more. That's just a, a few examples. And number three, has your worship become about music and lyrics or are you a living sacrifice? Has your worship become about music and lyrics or a year of living sacrifice. One or two or all three of those questions might connect with you. And I just invite you just to think about that, just to pray about that, just to bring those questions before God and see what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you this afternoon. As we do that, we're just going to play a song. It's called Living Sacrifice by Brandon Lake. The words will come up as we play the the song so you're welcome to either keep your eyes closed and reflect or if you want to follow the words of the song do look at the screens but this is living sacrifice by brandon lake
prayer. So Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to listen to that call. Like you gave your first disciples, come follow me, repent and believe. Father, we don't encounter you and then live the same. And Father, we want to truly follow you. We want to lay our lives down before you and live for you, not live for ourselves anymore. And we pray in 2024 that we might be those who are willing to live out the gospel, who are willing to pick up our cross and follow you, to make you known in our lives and to really see other people come into that relationship with you as well. Help us to do that, we pray in 2024. In Jesus' name, amen.